Night Moves, an exploration of contemporary sexuality. Each week we bring you current research in sexuality, a guest interview, and we answer our listeners' questions from email. Night Moves is a weekly radio sex talk show. A sex talk show full of information, interviews, and inquiries. We answer your questions every week on air. I'm your host, Ann Hardy. As a registered nurse, I talk to male patients about erectile dysfunction. I'm Kay Crow, ASEX certified sex therapist in private practice and local sexpert to those who are curious. I'm Ray, your friendly man about town. I'm a guy who's been around the block a bunch of times, and I'm here to share opinions to help get you laid and keep you safe. Our guest is Dr. Amy Stone, professor of sociology and anthropology at Trinity University, and teaches gender studies and sexuality. After that, we'll answer questions from listeners like you. Working on mysteries without any clues. Working on a night moves. Trying to make some front page driving news. Working on a night moves. Welcome to Night Moves, an exploration of contemporary sexuality. This week, we're exploring coming out, things to consider. Coming out as gay, lesbian, or bisexual, or transgender can be a time of liberation and celebration. Coming out is a very individual process. Each person has their own approach. Coming out is also a lifelong process. And we're going to share with you what we think are kind of some general guidelines or just some things you should consider if you feel that you're ready to come out. All right. First off, it's very important that you are really comfortable with this new identity that you're assuming, this part of yourself that you're accepting. The more comfortable you are with it, the more comfortable the people in your life who love and support you will be. Let them know that this is not a phase. You are still the same person and you will still be gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender tomorrow. Assuming that you want to come out, you know that you want this to be a really honest moment in your life between you and the people that you're coming out to. So I recommend that you stay away from intoxicants. Coming out is a moment of honesty for everybody involved. If you want and expect sincere reactions from the people that you're coming out to then you owe it to yourself to do this in a sober manner and when they are sober. What you don't want is for somebody's reaction to be carried away. It's also good if you're thinking about coming out to assess your safety, where you're going to do it, who you're going to talk to, what you're going to say. And one way to test the waters is to ask them about how they feel about LGBT people. Again, don't ask them when they're drunk. That rolls right up into assessing your safety as well. True. Or any other substances under the influence of. Timing is also important. You want to choose the right time and place without any distractions. Where you are and what time it is could affect their reaction. 
You don't want to do it in a car while someone's driving or at a family event like Christmas or a wedding. Or a funeral. Yeah, read the room. I used to envision coming out as someone having like a big party and then standing up and go, hey, I'm gay. But now that I'm a little more educated, I know that that's a terrible way to even think about. The times when someone has come out to me have been, it's one-on-one, typically in a restaurant or a coffee shop. And I can tell something's up because the person is really nervous. But it often ends up deepening our relationship in a wonderful way. The only time anybody's ever come out to me, they were inebriated and it was online. Oh. And embarrassing things were said. Mm. And so I don't recommend that for anybody. I recommend that if you're going to come out to people you know, then you tell your close friends and your family first. I mean, it's okay to practice on the mailman as long as the mailman doesn't talk to mom. It might also depend upon what their relationship is like with their family. Not everybody has a good relationship with their family. Well, some people's family are their friends. Whoever your closest people are. That's true. That's who you want to tell first. And before you come out, I think it's important. One of the things I do working with clients who are going through the coming out process is I have them examine their motivation. Okay, why are you doing this at this particular time? And make sure your motivation is really clear. If you're looking to get approval, if you're looking to get support, that might not happen. So get very clear that this is something you are sharing with the people that you care about because you want them to know you. Only be attached to that. Do not be attached to whatever response you want. Have no expectations going into that. And I promise you it'll go much better. I think it's a good idea to focus on the positive. Keep the lines of communication open with the people that you come out to, even if you get a negative response, because it could change over time. Try to answer their questions. Try to stay calm and always reassure them that you're the same person and you love them. Yeah, don't let your anxiety leads you to ghost people. Right. Also, back to the right time and place, it's not a good idea to come out during an argument or you're throwing it out there in the heat of the moment, kind of as a weapon. Some parents, depending upon their background, might assume that they did something wrong when their kid ends up being gay or lesbian, bi, transgender. Let them know that they did nothing to cause it. And there's plenty of research out there to support this idea. Yeah, back in the 60s, it always used to say that homosexuality was related to a dominant mother and a passive father. But thank goodness those days are gone. I believe, and as many people, it's all biology and how you're born. That is an archaic Freudian idea, and there's no validity to it. That's true. The research did not bear it out in any way. It's been said that you should try not to let your close friends and family learn from other sources and that you should be the one to tell them first that they're going to want to hear it from you and that you should encourage them to meet your gay friends. Well, that can be tricky and you can't control other people talking. So maybe the best when you come out, it should be in one-on-one settings. 
That way you can control who does know and let them know that that's just between the two of you. And I think you should caution yourself. You should be aware it probably is not a good idea to come out late at night on social media. Right. When you know someone or work with someone that you assume that are gay, but they're in the closet, do you approach them and act like you know, or just wait until they're ready to tell you? I think you're making an assumption about their identity. A person cannot adapt a label for someone else. That's discriminatory. I have a cousin that I'm pretty sure is gay, but... You're not going to call him gay because you don't know. I really don't know. It's best to wait until the person comes out to you. And in the meantime, you just act like you don't know. You love them as they are. True. It it should not matter. Right. And it doesn't. But sometimes you just want to clear the air and let them know, hey, it's okay. Right. But they might not be there yet. You should wait until they're ready to tell you. Yeah, because it's about their development as a person. I remember a friend from graduate school who came out to me and it was no surprise, but he was surprised that I wasn't more surprised, but everybody who knew him, I guess they either assumed or presumed that he was gay. And so when he actually adapted that identity and said, this is who I am, we were all like, of course you are. We love you you're great. And I just remember the anxiety that he had telling me. So if you're on the receiving end of somebody coming out to you, try to be sympathetic to that. And of note, in some workplaces, you could get fired, particularly, I think it's okay to still do it in Texas. Yeah, I think so. You have to be very careful about coming out at work. Although it's stressful to live in the closet, be one person at home and be another person at work it could create some discrimination. It just depends upon the setting. As we talked about coming out, it's not just a one-time thing. You have to come out to many people in many situations. And each time you do, at the end, try to evaluate the experience. What did you learn? So maybe the next time you could do it even a little bit better. And what are your closing thoughts? When you're considering coming out, Everybody's experience is going to be different in relation to their families or their friends. Consider the people who you are coming out to and the level of intelligence that they have. They may already understand things about you and have suspicions without having placed judgment or a label on you, which means that they care about you and go into it knowing that is there. Personally, I look forward to a world where coming out is not necessary at all. We just accept people for who they are. Amen. I'm reminded of my friend from graduate school who came out. Before he came out, he had a lot of trouble with anxiety. But once he went through the process, his anxiety dissipated. And for those of you that are thinking about coming out, we at Night Moves wish you all the best. Amen. I'm not sure which one is more of a problem, coming in or coming out. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Night Moves, an exploration of contemporary sexuality. And we're talking about sex, all kinds of sex, some serious, some lighthearted. And then we answer questions that our listeners send in from email. Please send us your questions and comments to nightmovesksym at gmail.com. Our guest is Dr. Amy Stone. 
professor of sociology and anthropology at Trinity University and teaches gender studies and sexuality. After that, we'll answer questions from listeners like you. Welcome to Night Moves, an exploration of contemporary sexuality. Our guest is Dr. Amy Stone, professor of sociology and anthropology at Trinity University and teaches gender studies and sexuality. Thanks so much for being on Night Moves, Amy. My pleasure. On our topic of when and how to come out, how does one know when it's time? I think it's good to evaluate when it's the best time for you to come out to parents and family. You may want to wait until you feel like your social network is strong enough to support you through that process. So if you're in a place where you are feeling lonely or isolated, this is probably not the best time to come out to family. I really recommend making sure that you have people who can be there for you if things go poorly. So do people typically feel like this burning desire to let it out? Or is it something that they tend to want to keep in and protect? I think that when we're not out, when people assume that we're cisgender or heterosexual, that it's hard to be our authentic self. Every time they ask, when are you going to get married to a boy? Or when are you going to have a boyfriend? Or they assume that they know our gender. I think it makes us a little less close to our family. Coming out about those things, even though it sometimes can come with negativity, it's a way of remaining intimate with our family. Is there a way that someone can kind of prepare themselves to come out? Again, I think it's good to evaluate your own support system. For example, coming out to family is one of the big coming out experiences. If you're dependent on your family in any way, if you're dependent on them for where you're going to live or to help you pay for school or they help you with childcare, you need to really think, what's my backup plan? Because your family may go through a long or short period of time in which they are not supportive in that way. Even in just sort of a short-term kind of way, if things go down tonight and it's not good, where can I go to sleep tonight? Because sometimes people have a very strong immediate reaction. And so I recommend really being prepared. Hopefully you won't have to use those resources, but it's good to think ahead about it a little bit. I interviewed the Thrive Center, which is a home for Mm -hmm. homeless LGBT that had been kicked out of their house by their parents. It was really tragic, but the kids were just really lovely. Mm -hmm. So what order as far as coming out? Do you tell family first or friends first? You said, of course, telling your family is more sensitive. For me, I came out to my friends first. Um, I was away at college and coming out to my friends was a really good chance to sort of practice some of my language about it. And some of them had kind of negative or ambivalent reactions, right? They like weren't really sure how they felt about this new aspect of me. Some of them were quite religious and it kind of rubbed up against that religiosity. Um, I would say that I became less close to some people, you know, because of that. But it gave me a chance to say it out loud. And that was really positive for me. Most of my friends knew by the time I came out to my parents. And that, I think, was really important for me. My parents initially had a very negative reaction. I think they just really hadn't envisioned any future for me other than one in which I was a wife and a mother and, you know, um, straight. 
And so to have this sort of non-binary queer kid instead was a real adjustment for them, right? So they weren't really in a place to be supportive. So it was really good for me to have friends already who were supportive. And that could have been teachers or other family members. For example, my siblings were very supportive. Coming out to people who are a little more peripheral in our lives first is a really great idea. Learn the language and to practice. Yeah. And I think we have to remember that when we come out to someone, we're telling them something that perhaps we've known about ourselves for a while. Right? We've known it about ourselves maybe for a week or months or years, our entire lives, and they're just learning it. So they're having a reaction that may not be their ultimate response. So sometimes parents have immediately super negative reactions, right? My parents were very negative at first, but over the years that softened a lot. Right? And I would say they're very supportive now. My next question was, what if you get a negative reaction? Can you elaborate on that a little more about some other things that you can do? Like, what do you say to them when they start calling you names or order you out of the house? Or... I think it's fine to have some boundaries in that moment, right? To be like, okay, like you're having a moment. Like, I'm actually going to remove myself from this situation. And you call me when you're feeling better about it, right? And that's going to be a hard thing to say if you're a young person to your family, but you don't have to let someone talk to you that way, right? Yeah. Like you can stand up for yourself. It's okay. It's also okay to not take it personally, right? Uh, for my parents, they didn't know anyone who was lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. They had no idea that you could live as a happy adult and be one of those things. I had to give them a little leeway, but also like not take any slack from them too. Looking at the LGBT websites, when they were talking about coming out, the number one thing they all listed was safety. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're in a safe environment. Or like you say, have a plan. If you're at all concerned about your own physical safety in your family, right, or with friends, I recommend having this conversation in a public area. If you are concerned that a family member will attack you for knowing this thing, I recommend not living in their house if you can. If you have that kind of concern about your someone's reaction to you like that, I recommend, you know, really guarding your own safety first, right? Because you're important. You know, we don't want anything to happen to you. Can you address coming out to, say, social groups, your church, your workplace, other things like that? For me, sort of as a middle-aged adult, you know, in the workplace, I look very queer, so people usually assume right away that I am, right? So I don't have to do a lot of verbal coming out. But for me, I talk about my life and my sexuality just like everybody else does, right? So, you know, I talk about what I did last weekend and who I did it with. I think that's a really natural way of talking about our lives that, you know, is coming out, but it sort of normalizes it, right? It says, like, I have a right to talk about my personal life, too, Right. Even in the classroom, as part of I'm sometimes a non sequitur, I'd be like, oh, as a queer person, I get so frustrated when people do this or that. You know, I get so frustrated when straight people come to drag shows and don't understand it. Right. You know, like, oh, <laughs> what I, are I, you like, doing there? I know. What are you doing there? Right? So I kind of try to make it natural. You know, it doesn't have to be a big proclamation necessarily. That's worked pretty well for me. Right. Or sometimes I'll correct people's assumptions. They'll say, oh, hey, isn't he a handsome man? And I'm like, mm, that's not my flavor, but I can see why you like him. Mm -hmm. You know, you, know, you like, can appreciate a handsome man thing, or a pretty but girl. But yeah, yeah, go for it. 
So I think that there's funny and casual ways of doing that. That said, we are in Texas. It's not uncommon for people to be fired for being LGB or T. If you work in a workplace that feels hostile and that it's very common for people to make transphobic or homophobic statements or biphobic statements and those go unchecked, I would kind of experiment first, maybe even going to HR or human resources and saying, hey, I'm not comfortable with some of the statements that people are making and seeing how your HR handles that. If they blow you off, this is probably not a positive work environment to come out in, right? That's really a good tip. I would really like you to address the religion aspect as far as coming out to people that are very religious or what has been your experience along that vein? Religion can be, in many ways, an excuse to be homophobic and transphobic because the religious evidence is pretty thin for being transphobic and homophobic. What is underneath that is a lot of discomfort with being transgender, being bisexual, being gay or lesbian. I think if we often address that discomfort, the religiosity becomes less significant. If someone is still very deeply invested, especially Christians, if they're like very, you know, like this is not a Christian thing to do, it can be good to talk about the Christian virtues of compassion. Jesus was known for hanging out with unsavory folks that Jesus probably would have hung out with some nice gay men. Had they been open about it? Had they been open about it or, or had there been that kind of sexual orientation at the time, right? Reminding them of some of the core virtues and tenets of contemporary Protestant Christianity can be really effective. I think people use the Bible very strategically that we kind of pull out what we need to sort of make our case. And so like really appealing to like love and care, right? Like is love more important? I think with my family, it was clear that other shenanigans that family members were engaging in, like having children out of wedlock or going to prison or being on welfare were completely fine or forgivable, but not homosexuality. And I was really happy to point out the contradictions in that. Let's think about this for a minute. Where's your forgiving heart? Where's your compassionate heart? For me, too. Great point. So, Amy, is there anything that I did not ask you about coming out that you would like to make sure our listeners know? There's a lot of new gender identities. Someone who identifies as non-binary, that's an identity that's unfamiliar to a lot of people. So coming out to somebody as non-binary means I also need to do some explaining. And I shouldn't be surprised when people don't understand that immediately, that it takes a little bit of thinking about it and some time for them to process that. Sometimes you need to give people language and references, some sort of understanding about it. Sometimes the longer explanation can be really helpful. And also understanding the functionality of something or the purpose of it. Okay, I prefer they as a pronoun. I can answer to she or he, but they feels really nice. And when I explain it to people that way, like when people call me they, I feel really warmly towards them. I feel really positively towards them. I feel really connected to them. That's why I really like it. Sometimes they react differently than when I just say like, you have to call me they, otherwise you just don't see me. I think they sometimes need to understand why certain things are so meaningful and symbolically important to us because they may not be at all meaningful to them. Amy, thank you for the excellent interview. I really learned a lot and I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Now, what are your closing thoughts? I think coming out is great. If you feel safe and you feel comfortable, I recommend doing it. It's good to be your authentic self. Do the best you you can do, right? Thank you. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Night Moves KSYM Radio.
Night Moves, answering the questions you don't want to ask. Email us at nightmovesksym at gmail.com. Please include your age and gender. Names will not be disclosed. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about sex, baby. Questions and comments. The question is from a female in her 20s. Are nipple orgasms, which is having an orgasm from nipple stimulation, are they real? If so, what's the secret of having one? According to the research, about 15 to 20 percent of women can orgasm through nipple stimulation alone. So I think a woman is hardwired to be able to do this, but I wouldn't make it a goal. And one of the reasons nipple stimulation works, it helps if you think about what happens when a woman is breastfeeding. The nipple stimulation from breastfeeding helps the uterus contract to go back to its pre-birth size. So in some women, maybe that neurological connection is already there when they're younger, before they even have children. In other women, it might only happen after they have a child. Who knows? So play with it, but don't make it a goal. If it's self-stimulation, sounds like a lot of work. Well, if it's hard to please yourself, sounds like it could be. I do know that for most women, when they're getting genital stimulation, whatever that looks like, if you add the secondary erogenous zone that is the nipples, it intensifies it. Oh, yeah. 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 Rocket to the moon when you get the double. Woo-hoo. Uh, There was a case uh, that I read about that uh, a lot of women get really aroused during breastfeeding, and it may be part of that. And they called the Lalichi League and was asking questions about it and told her that. And then they called CPS to go into the house to make sure she wasn't abusing the child. Go get yourself some clamps and a feather and get back to us. Right. Do you think nipple Clamps are interesting. Have you tried them? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're interesting. <laughs> <laughs> In that way? I don't what... know. I, I don't have nipple orgasms. so. Right. But one thing to try, especially for self-stimulation, is you put yourself in some nipple clamps, you masturbate, and then at the point of orgasm, when you're close to orgasm, you take the clamps off. Ooh, Kay knows all the tricks. It's not that. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually was with somebody once that there was an actual secret to it where it was like, if if I had a firm grip on the nipple, mm-hmm. all I had to do was pull toward myself and up. Mm-hmm. Rock is that the moon, specific. Huh? It was that specific. Mm-hmm. It was just in, toward myself and up. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. Another reason, as we always say, women need to know their own bodies. You might find all kinds of special little secrets. You bet. The question is from Melanie's 30s. What is the difference between pansexual and bisexual? As far as I understand it, pansexual means anything goes. Whereas bisexual is someone who is attracted equally to both genders, although there are more than two genders. Any two genders. Right. Bi is two. So it could be a pick of any two in the LGBTQ scale. The term pansexual is based on the Greek god Pan, who was a satyr, part human, part goat. 
And he frolicked with Bacchus in the woods and had lots of wine and sex. And, and a really big penis. Apparently, yes. Yeah. So pansexual people probably are more likely to be wearing hip waders. I'll explain <laughs> that joke when we're done. Can't say the rest of that on the air. <laughs> the question is from a female in her 30s. I always thought anal sex was naughty and really taboo, but wanted to try it. But I'm afraid of pain. I tried anal I tried anal beads, pulled them out at orgasm, and it really increased the intensity. Now I wonder if I might get the same dynamite orgasm through anal penis sex. I think you just might. And you got the winning spirit because you <laughs> tried the beads. That's further and faster than a lot of people would go. I don't think you're really asking me a question so much as speculating that this might be a thing for you openly. And I'm saying good for you. Yeah, I agree with Ray. You just have to try it and see. But we are talking about two different types of stimulation here. If pulling out the anal beads works, that may be a key to what you're doing to those sphincters to intensify your orgasm. So you'd have to, at least at first, duplicate that with a penis, like your partner pulls out at the point of orgasm during anal sex. Yep, with the wind at your back and the lube in your hand, get after it. There you go. <laughs> That's good. Oh, Ray. <laughs> Catch up on past episodes on Mixcloud.com slash KSYM. Good night. And I hope you find yourself in bed with a book you love or someone who's already read one. Hey, y'all, have a great night. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, but if you're going to do it, do it safe. Good night. Have a fabulous week. And tune in next week to Night Moves. Exploration of contemporary sexuality. Good night, all. Working on a night moves. Trying to make some front page driving news. Working on a night moves.